Welcome to From the Deep. I am Mike the Finder, and with me, as always, is my buddy Mimsy Park. Hello. And uh, we have not done this for a week and a half or so. So what have you been up to since the last time we did one of these? Just staying inside and not getting sick and dying. That's, I mean, that's, yeah. that's pretty much it. We, um, we did do what was quite possibly the most uncomfortable video uh, I've ever done, which was the uh, watch-along movie reaction of Thanks Killing. Yeah, so I haven't actually um, talked about that on my channel yet. Oh, have you not? Uh, no, because I was going to make a video on Thanksgiving, and I ended up not doing it and whatever. But I will link that video up in the description, or down in the description, and up linked right here in one of the cards. Um, we did a watch-along. your account is 18 and up. Yeah, yeah, you do have to be... Yeah, you do have to be 18 at least to watch that video. We did a watch along with the movie Thanks Killing from 2009. And if you haven't seen that movie, you are one of the lucky few. <laughs> missing nothing. Yeah. You're missing nothing. We did that so you don't have to. Yeah. And if you want to see us watch it, and it's actually a pretty funny video. You did a very good job of cutting that up. Thank um, you. It was, but, I was, I was laughing so hard while I was watching it, but I was like, dude, I can't, oh, what I was really thinking the whole time was, would I want my 13 year old daughter to be able to get her eyes on this video? And after going, no, no, I wouldn't. I was like, I, I, yeah. I just in good conscience have to at least put that on it. I claim no responsibility if you lied about your age on your account, but I will say I did my part. <laughs> well, that video is, is it an NC-17 or is it an R? It's an, it's an R rating. Okay. I don't think NC-17 is a thing anymore. Yeah, it is. I'm pretty sure it still is. Okay. Uh, I could be wrong about that. I now, didn't think Now I want to check, though. I think they were finally just like, you know what? People are making such awful crap. We're just going to, R is just terrible now. Yes, it is still a thing. It is still a thing. Okay. Yeah, but the, okay. it doesn't... I know Thanks Killing is rated R. Okay. I know that. Um, anyway, that movie is trash. Utter, utter trash. I. It totally is. On my letterbox, I rated that a two. So... I can't believe you got... I still can't believe you gave it two. I don't think it's a one. I don't. A one is a totally inept movie. Like... Like something that someone has never made a movie before or something that is technically glaring... Or, I don't know, does that make sense? A one is a total trash movie. This at least was a movie that was put together. So I gave it one out of ten. You did give it a one out of ten. You okay. did give it a one out of ten. Well, it's, ratings are opinion-based, so what, do, I can't, what am I going to say it's about true. that? Very That's subjective. Yeah. No! So, I mean, yeah, exactly. I don't know if... Um, I actually don't know if I've ever rated anything a one now that I think about it. I've only given a handful of things a 10, but I don't think I've actually ever rated anything a one before. See, this is why I don't have a rating system though, because what if I don't watch, if I watch it next time, it's not going to be the same. And then it just seems irrelevant to begin with or so, all together. Yeah. So it's funny you bring that up. I actually just listened to a podcast a few days ago where they were having this exact conversation. Um, and they, what they were saying, one of one of their points was a rating system is based on how you feel about it right now. If you rewatch it later and you feel differently, which is almost always the case, um, then you can go back and change it. But as far well, as a rating thing, it's for how you feel at that moment, regardless of how you'll feel, feel about it on a second watch. 
I feel like checking the runtime three times in one movie constitutes a one out of ten. Fifteen minutes in, especially I was going, when it's only an oh hour. Oh my god, long. how oh, it was so bad! It was well, so bad. And and one of in that in that same podcast, one of the other guys was arguing about he doesn't give a ten unless he's watched it twice and he feels that strongly about it more than once. That's a good standard to have. And I, also, don't, I, I, I actually don't quite agree with that. Uh, I think, no? I think if you feel like something is a 10, the first time you watched it, then it's a 10. If you're rewatching it, it comes down a little bit, then it comes I down a little bit. It depends on how much weight you put on your rating. System. That's, that's what it, yes. I think you're hundred yeah. percent right. I, I, I don't take it as seriously. I feel like a five is meh. And so that's how I base every decision okay. that I make. A five okay. is right down the middle. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's a good movie, but it's just meh. Um, yeah. A zero or a one, rather, is absolute garbage, and a ten <laughs> is a masterpiece. So right, okay. And and again, I feel like it's. I, I really do agree with that guy. It's it's based on how I feel that time when I watch it. So that's fair. I mean, I I, I can see that. I just I at the same time I just feel like. I don't know. I feel like a rating system is pointless, but that's just my, that's just my that's opinion. Fair. I don't, I mean, un, 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 unless, but at the same time, it's not really pointless. Maybe I just don't feel like doing one. That's fair. Maybe, that, maybe that's what it is. I'm, as these words are coming out of my mouth, I'm going, maybe I just don't feel like having one. Well, I think for me anyway, I can only speak for myself, but I feel like it helps me categorize movies a little bit better and how I feel That's about fair. them. That's to me, I'm usually pretty good about remembering how I felt right. about a movie. That's why um, I liked letterbox those, because if I don't remember exactly, by the way, I've never brought this up on my channel. I am on Letterboxd, and you can find the link down in the description. Um, but I feel like Letterboxd helps me keep track of how I felt when I first watched anything really. So yeah, that's, you know, I rarely, if I rewatch something, I rarely will go back and change the rating within Letterboxd, but I, d well, I don't know. You, you also remembered Thanks Killing um, more, far more vividly than I did. Um, I think my brain blocked it out. I think that's what happened. I mean, I think my brain went, no, no. And well, then it's, it just. It's not a very rememberable movie unless good. you're really into crappy low budget and that is like Listen, really low budget that i was gonna say i there I, almost I've no been, budget i think i mentioned this uh, uh on the last one we did i've actually been watching like low budget youtube short films and i i actually really enjoy a lot of them but this one was like it's it's trying to be funny it want it's a horror comedy yeah, but even the comedy isn't good and it's also and so, very self-aware and it's bad to be bad like yeah yeah, and I think that's what when when horror movies are a little bit too self aware, I get bothered because Scream right. was like, "Hey, we're self aware. Every other movie has to be self aware now," and it just right. I I like it sometimes. Other times, I kind of hate it. It, it kind of depends on how I'm good feeling that day. I think everything's good until enough people turn it into a trope. Yeah, exactly, and that's what it is now. It's a it's a scream trope, like right. Uh, we have the Randy character and he knows everything about everything and, and whatever. Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, well, but you can still have a movie and have it do that. Well, uh, cabin in the woods is a great example of how to you, like, cause you have like, you have the stoner Randy type character 
and he basically figures out what's going on from the very beginning. But there's so many compelling elements in the movie itself that it's basically it's a little easier to excuse it as okay that's who this character is yeah rather than it being this character is there because we wanted to drive a message home versus you know yeah no i see what you're saying i like cabin in the woods but i feel like it doesn't deserve all the credit that it gets i know it's good but it's i don't know it's um I feel like it's like a six or a seven for me. Like it's not, it's not anything great. I don't think I've ever actually reviewed that even on Letterboxd. So I would have to, I would have to go back and really watch it in order to do that. But I don't I feel to, like I, it's. I have to look over here to glare at you. I don't, right? I, I don't you're over feel here. like it's, it's good. I do like it just right. to be clear. I just don't feel like it gets, I, I think it gets a little too much credit for being witty and stuff when it's, I don't know. That's it's fair. Good. I think I just I, I really like the guys that play the uh, the corporate guys. Yeah, I, I, I can never remember their names, but I love it. like the dad. It, he was the dad in Step Brothers, and he's so good yeah. in that movie. <laughs> um, so, what have you been watching recently? I know we've both been doing kind of more movie reviews on our channels and stuff, but I, I don't know about you, but I don't review nearly everything I watch. So. I, I don't review nearly everything. I don't review everything that I watch, um, but I, I'm not going to lie. I already started watching a lot of Christmas movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I already I already started watching a lot of Christmas movies. I have watched Elf. I watched Elf before Thanksgiving, actually. Um, I've been watching Elf. I've been watching... Uh, I watched... I watched oh, yeah, don't Christ- you have that, that steelbook of Elf? I sure do. I sure do. Um, I kind of wish I owned that. I I watched, uh, I watched it's a wonderful life and I watched a, uh, a Christmas story and those last two are just good movies. Yeah. Especially a Christmas story that I used to watch that every year on TBS when they would run that 24 hour marathon. It's so well written. A Christmas story, it's a good story. It's so well written. The dad steals that show. You used up all the glue on purpose. Like, who would use up all the glue? Well, especially <laughs> how, how he reacts to getting that, that award, the great award or whatever. It's it's so perfect. Yeah, that movie is very well written. It's yeah, The actors, it's, even the kid actors in that movie are very good, too. Who is the? Uh, he's in Elf, actually. Uh, who the kid? The kid who is in a Christmas story. Oh, is he? Plays the uh, plays the elf where uh, he's talking about um, I'm a, I'm a cotton headed ninny muggins and he's going, you're not a cotton headed ninny. That's the guy with the, the elf with the glasses. That's the kid from a Christmas story. Huh. I know way too much about a Christmas movies. It's it's really sad actually. Yeah, I and- don't. I, there's only a handful that I really watch every year. One is like Charlie Brown. Uh, Jingle All the Way is my main one. Like that is my main Christmas movie that, for me. You really need to start. Call, listen, I watched that recently. You really need to start calling that a guilty pleasure. Oh no, it's, it is. Uh, it very much is. And like to a point that you know, I, I'm I'm fully self aware of how not great that movie is. But it is so ingrained in my memory as a Christmas movie that it's. I don't know. It is a guilty I, pleasure, but it's fun. I love that movie it so is much. Fun. It is fun. I, I, I will say that. It, it is Sinbad fun. Sinbad in that movie is hilarious. hilarious. He is hilarious. 
Him and Arnold Schwarzenegger are such an odd mishmash. I know, characters, but it though. totally works. It's and my my whole thing. The worst part of that movie is his son. That kid, the kid from Star Wars. We don't talk about that Star Wars, so no, not the kid from Star Wars, but it exists. Uh, no, but yes, it's yes, yes, Anakin, the, the the worst Anakin you could have picked. He's such a bad actor, dude. He's such a bad actor. I mean, he was like six. Like, what do you? I know. So was Macaulay Culkin when he did Home Alone. And That's a fairly Macaulay, good point. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin's a gem. We won't talk about MJ, but Macaulay Culkin's a gem. Uh, have you seen Party Monster? No. Okay, you should watch Party Monster and get back to me. Um, anyway, going <laughs> going back to <laughs> going back to uh, what we've been watching. Um, what Christmas movies have you been watching? Like other than just named, other, all... other than Elf and no Elf. It's a Wonderful Life, a the, Christmas oh, Story. Okay, Charlie right. Brown. No, no, no. I've been the Christmas tree went up the night. Of Thanksgiving. After we finished dinner, I put my Christmas tree up. Well. And then I trimmed my Christmas tree. And then you tripped over it? Is that what you Trimmed. I trimmed my Christmas tree. Anyway, regardless, that's way too freaking early. Uh, It's not even December yet, but. See, that's what Brittany said. Yeah. That's what Brittany said. Way too early. Way too early. Um, But you do you, I guess. Hang on. Wait. Wait, this was th- this was up here, but you can't you you can't see it yet because I haven't done a video since putting them up. But I've actually started putting up little things up here on the shelf where like the movies are. Like mm-hmm. there's little hangers up there. So now I don't know what to do with this. What should I do with this now? Put it away till mid December. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should do with it. Fine, fine. I'm not going to do that, but I'll no, put it away. No, it's entirely... T- we're not talking about Christmas stuff yet. It's not going to happen. Not yet. But it's, it's like all it's I've been doing. entirely too early. Is it? Yes. We should do a Twitter poll. We should no, do a Twitter poll. It's. I'm telling you, it's too early. We can, we can get all of your followers on Twitter and all of my follower on Twitter, and we can, you know, see... I don't use Twitter anymore, so... Oh. Well, I don't either. That's why I have like two followers. I've Twitter became way too toxic. Um, That's fair. That's it's fair. It's just way too much. So I've been watching here. I'll pull up my Letterboxd. And this is a great reason to use Letterboxd alone right here. Um, just to be able to briefly talk about some of the stuff. What was that? <laughs> some of the stuff that I've been watching. Oh, man. I, I don't think you've seen this. Have you watched The Florida Project? I made a review on it. No, you talked to me about it. You told me about it, but I have not actually gotten around to watching it. That You have to watch that movie. That film, I love Willem Dafoe. That film is as close to modern perfection as you can get for me. That's one that I missed, and we don't have to go back, but Willem Dafoe reminded me. I watched The Lighthouse. Oh, you did? I, I still haven't seen The Lighthouse, so let's... yeah. That's all I've heard. Oh my god! I'm, I'm, I almost <laughs> bought so it on good. Amazon a couple days ago. Um, yeah, that's that is so on my good. that is on my list. Like, were you going to buy it? Near, yeah, I'm 100 percent buying that. No, movie. no, no, don't buy it on Amazon. Go buy that is one worth owning. Go well, no, buy that's that. That's what I mean. I almost bought oh, the Blu-ray okay. on Amazon the other day. 
Um, oh, I was thinking Prime Video for I'm some good, reason. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I that is actually one I do want in 4K. That that is one of those movies that I know I'm gonna love. Like just like The Witch, I waited around to watch The Witch, and when I watched it, I was like, such yeah, the, a well written good it, the script is awesome it's shot yes. super well the acting is phenomenal the set design like is super, crazy it's so it's not super so good. gory but it is dude, no. there are when there that that scene of her all I'll say is pulverizing towards the beginning yeah that like you hear that sound and then once you realize what that sound is it's one of the most uncomfortable scenes in a movie I've seen recently, but now when I go back to watch it, I hear that sound already knowing what it's going to be, and it makes that uncomfortable feeling just stretch out. Yeah, that that whole the whole film is so well done. I again, yeah. again, that is near perfection for me. Like th- that is the type of modern horror that for me you have to do in order to get me to watch and appreciate and like a modern horror movie. This is why Take I complain about stuff. This is why I complain about stuff like like me and a freaking scare package and all of that kind of stuff because that the witch and and there's a whole bunch of other films like this that are artsy, but they're not up there for wellness. They're not. Yes. They're not up their own, butt artsy, but they're right. Uh, I, I have a feeling midsummer is going to be like that as well for me. Um, but well, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, I feel like the best metaphor is having a really crappy band and then one really good guitarist. One thing can't really stand out. Yeah. It all has to kind of, complement each yeah. other and which is why movies like the witch and why movies like a cure for wellness are so well done is because the cinematography yeah. and the artsiness is there to complement the film exactly. not be the accent of the film and this this is the perfect segue to go back to a floor the florida project um that is exactly what the florida project is it is everything that the camera is doing is doing it for a reason and serves the story it's not mm-hmm. just an artsy shot to be an artsy shot. It's right. there for a reason. It is shaky for a reason. It is locked off for a reason. There is a rack focus for a reason. Like it's it's well, so like when I see so well shots. put together. Well, and th- th- I feel like handheld shots are a good example of that because it's uh, it's supposed to be one of those things that adds tension. You're yes, supposed to know, like, exactly. okay, handheld, shaky cam, like something's coming up. That's that's why people like J.J. Abrams and Michael Bay drive me absolutely out of my yeah. mind because it's like, oh, this is really jarring. Why is it really jarring? Well, because we're running. Well, yeah, but the character's running. I need to see that the character's running, not just motion blur, motion blur, motion blur. Yeah. Well, and, and in the Florida Project specifically, like, I don't know what you know about it and what you don't, but little I've seen the trailer, but okay. So it's mostly shot. Like, especially the first half is mostly shot from the point of view of a six year old. And so when they're running around and playing, it's all handheld stuff. When they're sitting around and waiting, it's all locked off, really pretty framed stuff. The color grading is a little much at some points because when you're following the kid around, everything is really pastel and really bright and warm. Okay. And when you're with the adults, everything's a little bit more like graded to look like real life and a little bit more brownish and stuff like that. Um, it's, 
every it's everything that I appreciate in film is all wrapped up in this. I ended up rating it as a nine out of 10 because I loved it so much. Like I dude, seriously, you are going to love that movie. It is. Okay. It's a bit I'll of a downer. It it, I, I'll tell you that it's a hard it didn't watch. Look happy. It's almost two hours. I think it's an hour 50. Um, it's, it's a hard watch because the adults are such horrible people in it for the most part. Um, but you're really, we have a lot of the same interests. You're really going to enjoy that movie. So, okay. I'll um, have to check it out for sure. Yeah. The, one of the other things that I watched, um, and this is, this is something I've had on my list for a really long time was, um, I just put the, the video out for it yesterday, which was dead alive and it's from 92 and it is the goriest horror movie I've ever seen or I've one seen- of the goriest horror movies I've ever seen. I know you, you 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 told me about this. The name sounds familiar. I feel like I can. It's see Peter Jackson's it. directorial that's, debut. Okay, that's why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was I all know, shot I, in New Zealand, um, and it's hyper violent. It's hyper gory, but not in a hostile saw. Do you think type he had to hold that all back when he did Lord of the Rings? Like no, well, PG-13, and that PG-13. is what I took away from that movie the most is the fact that he was able to make this, I, I think it had a $3 million budget, uh, did $23 million in the U.S. opening weekend, wow. which is amazing, especially wow. considering how gory and messed up it is. Yeah. Um, what amazed me from it was that he was able to go from making these really crazy gory B-movies over to Lord of the Freaking Rings. Like... It it I, I don't know, man. It's that's what I took away from that movie the most. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I really think have you seen Reanimator? Um uh, I have seen Reanimator. It's yes. on that level of gore. Like that's the type of gore it is. That's um, it's there's kind that of, scene with the straw in the head <laughs> and the uh, like it's there is some in dead alive. There is some gross out humor like that. Like there's a point where this old lady eats a dog and they're pulling the tail out of the mouth, out of her mouth. And it just keeps coming. Like, Good yeah, God. yeah. That almost got me to gag. I'm not one of those people that gags super easily, but that, got, that almost got me to that point. That's, but well, that doesn't bode well for me then. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's your style of movie. It's got a lot of really cool claymation, like 90s claymation, Pee Wee Herman style, MTV, like that, that kind of claymation, mm-hmm. uh, which is super cool. It's got some of the coolest, like, monsters I've seen in a long time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, it is, dude, it is my type of horror movie. Yeah. Uh, and I'm actually kind of surprised I'd never seen it before. Like it's been on the back. Burner. Oh, it was your first watch. It was it. my first watch. And it's, um, I got to tell you, it's up there near pieces and like, it, it's near the top of my favorite horror at this point. Like, huh? I loved it. Uh, I would, uh, I, I would say that I'll go check it out, but well, I it's, might someday, but here's the other thing is it's kind of hard to track down. I don't, I don't know if it's on shutter or not. I, I don't think it is, but it doesn't have a Blu-ray release as far as I know. Um, really? It, yeah. It's only been on VHS and DVD. Uh, Arrow or somebody really and needs to get a hold of it. you on me for liking VHS. Well, this so is a prime example this, of why VHS I said rules. this in my video. Well, that's it's not outdated. That's the thing. It's not obsolete. VHS is not obsolete because there's a lot of stuff that was never transferred, especially shot on video right. stuff. Um, but... 
it's just one of those movies that never got any love or attention. And I think, I, I don't know if it's because Peter Jackson won't allow it. I, I don't know. Um, but I love it. Does he not like the fact I don't that he know. made it? I honestly don't know. I have never heard him talk about it. I've never seen anyone bring it up in interviews. I, it mm. may just be one of those things. It's like I said, from 92, um, it came out, it came over to the States in 93. So it may just be not a well-remembered thing. Uh, right. But if you really think about 93 to what, 2001 or two when Lord of the Rings, that is not that long of time. So No, it's not. And it's a massively different project. Yes. Not just, not, not just uh, in genre, but in scale. Scope. The, the pure scale yeah. of Lord of the Rings. It's, it's like I said, I was blown away that he was able to come from making stuff like this to making Lord of the Rings. So this is why, this is why teams exist though. This is why you have a cinematographer. That's why you have, you know, your production designer. That's why you have all these people. If you hire the right people to get the job done, it makes it, it makes it a little bit different, Yeah, but it's still a massively different scope and 100%. just different project in general of everything involved in the project. But it's got a it's got a lot of practical effects, a lot of really cool gore shots. Um, How do you, you know. even sell a studio on that? Like, well, yeah, the guy that did Dead Alive, yeah, he, he wants to do Lord of the Rings. Well, we, to be we, fair, we're, I'm not we're not going to do that. I'm not super familiar with Peter Jackson's like entire filmography, so I don't know what was between Dead Alive and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I'm but sure that's your there debut. were multiple things between that that he did in order to work his way over in the Lord of the Rings. I would imagine. But, but again, I'm not super familiar with his work. So, um, the, the other, the couple other things that I, that I watched here, I watched blood rage cause it was Thanksgiving. I watched blood rage every year, every year it gets worse. Um, I also watched the Gore Gore girls, which is from 90, uh, 1972 from Herschel Gordon Lewis. It's kind of a sexploitation slasher, uh, slasher ish, like proto slasher. Um, Those are the ones where we're looking at the clock like... <clears throat> yeah, no, it's definitely not your type of movie. It is old 70s garbage. Like... It's, you know, there's a lot of... I want those to be fun, but they just never are Sometimes they are. Most of the time, they're they're just a little too outdated in order to be, like, really fun. Yeah. Um, This one was fun, but the dialogue was so poor that I just couldn't get into it. Uh, But that, I watched Blood Rage, The Gore Gore Girls. I also watched uh, Scream, The Inside Story, which is like an hour and a half full-length a feature documentary on the making of scream and it was really good. Um, but that, that's, that's pretty much it. I could keep going, but that's, those are the, the kind of highlights of what I've watched. Um, so like I said, I would like to start doing this more often. You should start using letterbox more so we can start doing this a little bit more often. I was going to say, because there's, there's movies I watched, but I can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember what I watched. Yeah. The ones that are sticking out of my head, though, are like, again, like Christmas movies. I think what happened was we watched Thanksgiving and I went, we need a break. We yeah. should break from that TV screen because now screens hurt. Well, that's fair. The Thanksgiving is so bad that I, I did end up watching. Because um, then I had to edit it, too. Yeah. that's You watched it like two or three times. <laughs> More like three, yeah. So... I, I fortunately for myself did not have to do that. Um, but just so everybody on the channel knows, 
We do do a, uh, we make, uh, what would you call it? Reaction watch along stuff. It's called angry guys theater reaction um, watch along. Yeah. It's yeah. on his channel. Um, I also have the playlist on my channel. So if you're looking for that, I will have that down in the description below. The two episodes we have out right now couldn't be right. more different. Yeah, we Could- watched Halloween Town the first one and Thanksgiving for the second one. So, so n- I feel like we set a precedent with that though, because now we can sit there and go, okay, it's all free game. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's I think what's going to be cool about it is uh, because of Thanksgiving, I think we're going to kind of turn it more towards reaction videos than than watch along stuff, which I yeah. think is more entertaining to watch. More entertaining. Um, it's um, less room for error as far as yeah. you know. If you get off somewhere, yeah, or, also true, or, 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 or whatever happens with that, it's um, it's a lot more fun for me. I don't know about you, but it's a lot more fun for me as well. Um, I think, but I think most of all, it makes it it does make it more entertaining to see this stuff up on screen. Um, yeah. Thanks killing will really make me rethink what kind of videos we do because the sheer amount of censorship I had to put into editing that video was just, yeah, I had to watch. I had, I had to see Wanda lust so many times and that's all I'm going to say about that. The very, the first scene. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, trash, I changed. trash that, is, that episode changed me. Trash is fun to watch. But trash is also very lowbrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah, we gotta find a balance of like fun and crappy, but not utter trauma style things. Not that all trauma's bad. There are there no, are some tra- there, there are, are some I good mean, trauma movies, but you know those like life changing breakups that everybody has at least one of? Yeah. In their life, that's what Thanks Killing was for me. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a big part of because I couldn't remember it. Like genuinely, like once we started watching, I was like, okay, I remember like this. It's that like it feels familiar, but I don't have an instance to tie this to in my memory. Yeah, that's how it was. So I think that was a big part of it. But some of it, a lot of it, was just like right out the storm. Okay, learn a lesson, move along. Well, I do think. We should do Treevenge during December. I, I do think we should do that. Treevenge. Treevenge, I, I remember some of it. And Treevenge was like It's a bad, fun, but it, it's it's fun crap. It's it not wasn't that hard to get altering crap. crap. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I think all of that being said, I think that leads us around to our main feature here. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Ghost World from 2001. Now... This has been a favorite of mine for almost 20 years now. I have loved this movie since the year it came out. I've been watching it since then. I have purchased it on DVD, Blu-ray. I will buy it on 4K when it comes out. This is, I don't want to say top 10, but definitely top 20 for me as far as mm-hmm. non-horror movies non-horror movies go. I Because I think it's important to separate like, those two. Um, okay, yeah. This is definitely in my top 20. Um, and you had never seen this before, right? I had not seen this before. And when I told Brittany when I was sitting down to watch, she kind of looked at me a little sideways like, I don't think you're going to like that movie. Oh, really? <laughs> she did not think I was going to like this movie. 
And so I went into this with an expectation of having no expectation because you seem to think I would like it. She seemed to think I wouldn't like it. And those are pretty much the two opinions that I have in my world. So I went into this with like, okay, what the hell's going to happen? And I ended up really liking it. I thought you might. I don't think this is something you would have liked two years ago. I I, think that because you have gained a greater appreciation for more artsy stuff in the last couple of years, I I, kind of did think you would like it. I hate I hated what you would probably expect me to hate about the movie, but I yeah. expect but I hated it in the context of the character. I hate Thora Birch's character in this movie really? on such a deeply personal level. She is that now, as I told I, I think I told Brittany, she reminds me of some of my exes. So there could be me too. that aspect of mm-hmm. it. And that but it's made also- me but it's also a testament to being 18. Like it is a testament to being 18, but I still, it, it, it's that snooty. You know what? I wrote down. I, I, I well here, before we get started here, let's do a, a, a small little synopsis. Okay. Um, no, I don't know if you know this, but this is based off of a comic book. Um, I, I read that. Okay. So the comic book, I have read some of the comic book. It's very good. It is as satirical and ironic and, sort of jaded as the movie is, if not more. Okay. Um, now this movie basically has our main protagonist played by Thora Birch, Ingrid or Enid. Enid is what Enid. it is. Um, Enid. Enid. And then her best friend, which is, uh, I, I believe I could be wrong here, but I think this is Scarlett Johansson's breakout it is role. Jo- uh, or debut oh, role rather role. not breakout uh, debut. Um, uh, that I don't, know. I, I think this is her first movie. I could be wrong, but I, I would remember explain my feelings on her acting. I remember. Okay. Yeah. I remember, um, seeing an interview with her at one point where she had said that she had really looked up Thora Birch and she had not done much acting at this point. And so Thora Birch was really like guiding her and trying to help her get more into acting and trying to be better on set and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, so we have these two best friends and they graduate high school and um, Enid starts to figure out that she does not like where Scarlett Johansson's character. What is her name? Um, yeah, I should know that. Rebecca. Rebecca. Yeah. So she doesn't. Rebecca is like trying to get an apartment, trying to get a job, trying to do all of the things that you should be doing at 18. If you're not going to go to college, starting to try to figure out where her life is headed and what she wants to do and get out of her parents' house. And Enid is sort of having this almost self crisis and this self identity problem where she is starting to figure out that the world is not exactly what she wanted it to be. And as we move through this film, there's a, there's a, there's a specific scene where Thora Birch's character comes to the coffee shop and Rebecca is working there and Enid is wearing this, this Batman gimp mask. And, um, one of the things that Rebecca says is you should see all of the freaks and weirdos that come through here all the time. And she's sort of complaining about it. And Thora Birch's character goes, but those are our people. And Rebecca kind of goes, yeah, but I, she basically says, yeah, but they're the freaking worst. And then it cuts back to Enid and you can see it on her face that it's like that was almost the moment where she started to figure out that Rebecca was becoming a normie for lack of a better term. And right. Enid was trying to stay this 
weirdo and they end up meeting this character in Steve Buscemi Buscemi by the way uh, I, I, I watched Buscemi? it is Buscemi I watched an episode of the Simpsons that he was in and he pronounced his own name in it and he said Buscemi I, lo- I love him by the I way I do too I, I didn't know he was in this going into okay. it and when I saw him I was yeah. like <gasps> so he is the easily the best part of this movie um, his character is very like uh, he's, I want to say, probably close to being 50, if not in his 50s, um, maybe mid to late 40s, maybe. I think he just always looks like that. But he is this jazz-obsessed, self-isolated, jaded, angry loner. And, you know, they end up meeting him because they were sort of making fun of him, and they go on to sort of Enid and him end up kind of having a relationship. And that's kind of what this whole film is about. Now let's start from your notes here. You said you had some notes that you had written down about. Okay. I don't have, I I don't have notes. I have note. Okay. Because uh, I should put this in context a little bit. You are not super into these type of movies generally. Um, um, I'm not into uh, generally. No, uh, simply because I find so many of these movies are just reiterations of the one they're copying or reiterations of the one that maybe came out a year or two before it. Right. Um, I feel the same way about uh, Garden State. Garden State came out at a time and, where all of these were already standards yeah. and so, they just kind of jumped from one occurrence to the other in the paradigm of coming of age indie movies. This is right before all of that started to happen really hardcore. Cause I would say right, that like right. 2003, 2004, that's when all that stuff really started to happen. Uh, and I there use are a that as context of, for watching this, by the way. I, I, and you, as you should, because you have to put it in the year. You have to think of this in the year that it was coming out. 2001, right. this movie reeks of 2001. Like yes. everything about it from its from its sadness to its self-deprecation to its almost anger at like normal people. And it's I, it drips 2001 to me. Let me read this and then we'll get into how okay. very different you and I apparently perceived this movie to okay. be. Because as you went through that synopsis, I went, huh. Yeah, well, so, and this is why I wanted to talk about this movie because I know because I've seen it so many times – I, I have a much different view of this than what you and you experienced you it at do. a much younger age for the first exactly. time than I did. So, so my, my my this is not nice. Don't worry, it's not no vulgar I, or anything. I genuinely I I had to write down to verbalize or, or or bring into the world how much I really don't like Thora Birch's character. Oh, I, I, really, I yeah, I knew you wouldn't. Thora Birch's character is that annoyingly confident. <clears throat> outcast there's a there's a vulgar term in there outcast who's got the whole world figured out by 18 and her only redeeming quality is her own awkwardness and pretentious nihilism okay so all right let's touch on that for a second she she does feel like she knows everything yes um, but but that, throughout but that the is movie, a character she, she self-realizes that she doesn't i think that's what's important so let See, me read, i didn't get that at all let I me read get... what i wrote in my letterbox this is okay. a small paragraph 
This movie is very endearing, and there's something about it that makes it very powerful. It's got this overwhelming feeling of sadness, but it's wrapped in this dense snarkiness and ironic sense of humor that is very 2001. It reminds me of being a teenager that wants, in all caps, to be different and an individual, but being so wrapped up in what everyone else thinks, it cancels it all out, slowly becoming disenchanted with what the world actually is versus what the world versus what you thought the world would be. I don't think this would resonate with today's generation, but for people my age, this is the perfect snapshot of the early 2000s. And the film, the ending mm-hmm. makes this film, which we'll talk about later. So, so go ahead. I would, say the, I would say the message of this movie is probably actually more relevant than ever. Uh, maybe not the, and I mean in the message, not in the clothing, not in the, the aesthetic maybe, but as far as the message, I would say it's probably more relevant now than ever, um, simply because back in, back when this movie's filmed, you have this, like, you're trying to find this sense of individuality in a very small um, uh, uh, microcosm mm-hmm. of the world, whereas now you're doing the exact same thing, but it's almost like you're competing on that level, except at a totally higher, bigger, more connected level now, well, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. So the way I see Enid is much different than the way you see her, I think, because you see her as this pretentious 18-year-old that thinks she knows everything. And get over yourself was a big feeling throughout this whole movie for me. The way I see her is I see a lot of myself at 18 in her. because. Because the way she is, it like when she dyes her hair green is a perfect example of this. When she's trying to immediately rebel against what Rebecca wants to do. It's the scene directly after where Rebecca says, we have to kind of look like Richie Uppies in order to get this apartment. And so she immediately rebels against that by dyeing her hair green and dressing as punk as possible. And it's not for her own self. It is to completely rebel against anything and everything that is going on in her life and to self-sabotage any chances that they have of getting that apartment without vocalizing it to Rebecca. Well, so, I think that I think it speaks to the writing of it too. Like the fact the, that I, yeah. the fact that I hate it and I reckon, don't get me wrong. I recognized this while I'm watching it, that the fact that I hate this character so much or not, not maybe not hate so much because that's more of feeling reserved. Well, I was going like to say, she doesn't villain. do anything necessarily to warrant hate. Like she's no, just sort of no, a pretentious I just, douche. I, 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 I really, yeah. Well, and I, that's the thing though, is that's just who that character is. And right. it speaks so well to how the writers captured not only her attitude, but also how she's seeing everything. Like when she's right. in the bar with Steve Buscemi and she introduces him to that girl, she's sitting there and she takes off her glasses and she takes off that thing. And she's seeing all these people it's cutting in and out. And, and uh, well, well, I almost, I almost got distracted there. Um, it, it's cutting in and out of how she feels and views everything. And also giving you the feeling of how, she feels and why why she feels that way. Well, so let's talk about what is his name in this Seymour. Um, yeah, let's talk about Seymour for a second because here's how I view this. Um, they are very snarky, angry eighteen year olds at the beginning of this movie, mm-hmm. and then they meet Seymour. Uh, more specifically, Enid meets Seymour. Um, and f- what I take away from this movie is that Enid sees herself in Seymour. Seymour is a actual representation of what a freak and a loner looks like 
as they've been a freak and a loner their entire life. And mm-hmm. so she sees as she's coming to grips with the fact that she doesn't want to be a, a normie like Rebecca is going more in this direction. She starts to lean more on Seymour because Seymour is the representation of what she sees her future as. And when she tells him, when he, when he says, why are you so interested in my love life? What she tells him is because I can't stand a world where a person like you can't get a date. That is, that tells you everything you need to know right there. The reason she is so wrapped up in Seymour's life is because she sees Seymour as a version of herself as this deep and meaningful, but loner, awkward type person that has gone through life being that way. And the more that she still, that she kind of starts to realize that she doesn't want to be where Rebecca is heading with a job and an apartment and buying plastic cups at Ikea and all of this stuff that in her head represents the evil normie lifestyle. Um, and, and because she meets Seymour, he is everything that is against that. He knocks McDonald's, he knocks Nike's, he doesn't do anything that is modern. Everything that he listens to is this weirdo old blues that no one has ever heard of. And so that's kind of how I see her interaction with Seymour. The reason she's trying to help him is because she wants to know that being the type of person she wants to be is possible while still attaining happiness and sort of relationships and all of that kind of stuff. I don't know if you saw that in there or not. Um, I, I, I definitely saw that in there, but I actually almost saw their relationship as the contrast to Enid and Rebecca's relationship yeah, because there are is. several, several scenes where, um, she basically kind of looks at him sideways, like like he's getting pissed off at the uh, parents with all their kids going across the uh, the sidewalk. And right before that, she had been complaining to Rebecca about something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but she's complaining to her. And then it cuts to him complaining to Enid, and Enid's kind of having the same reaction to him that Rebecca was having to yes. Enid. And so I re- that's what I liked so, so much about their relationship. You're you're right, but it also leads into my point of. As we go through this movie, she starts to realize the way Seymour is living. And this is why we see Seymour the last time we see him is with his mom. Um, th- that That's the Such reason. Right, exactly. But Sounds that's, like something we could talk about in the car. At, yeah, as we go through this movie, Enid starts to realize that she doesn't want to become Seymour. And that is why she goes back to Rebecca and is like, hey, please let me move in with you. This is something that I want. And then almost immediately realizes, oh my God, no, it's not. And so she decides to sort of reject both of them. Right. Um, and and I think you're right. It is the contrast, but she's realizing she doesn't want to be or how Rebecca is leaning toward after high school. She also doesn't want to be this weirdo loner that is Seymour, which is why she leaves in, in the well, very see, end I, of this film. I, I really got the feeling the whole time rather than her. I, I really didn't feel like she evolved as a person oh, I until did. the until the very end. Right. Um, and because it feels like I would say the vast majority of this movie feels like her the world changing around her and her doing every everything her basically having this naive approach mm-hmm. to holding on to who she is. Yeah. 
when it, it almost avoiding growing up. That's and that's the coming of age part of this film. Yeah, right. But yeah. I felt like to me, her running away was still her holding on to no, I don't want to do this, and basically trying to find it somewhere else. That's how I took it. Well, there there are some theories to the end that we'll talk about here in a little bit, but I think you're right. But I think that it is a slow burn. She doesn't just evolve toward the end. There, her evolving is this really slow slope that she's climbing throughout the entire film. And this is something that I didn't notice until I had seen it a couple of times. There are a lot of, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this movie. If you watch it again, of how she is slowly progressing as a character to finally get to a point of realizing she wants to be herself and not try to be one of these other people and try to fit into some other thing. Like and clothing, hairstyles, stuff exactly. like that. And I did if, notice that. And if you realize, it, or if you notice, toward the end, almost everything she's wearing is red whenever she's... I, I, there's a certain point. I want to say it's after she sleeps with Seymour. Um no, she At, comes into Seymour's in all red. Yeah, but it's it's right around yeah, it's right around there. But mm-hmm. there's only one other scene where she's not in red, and that's when she's packing and she's looking at everything. Um, but almost every scene after that, she's in red, and and so we'll get into this. We'll get into the theory of of the ending and all of that stuff here in a little bit. But here's what I here's what I really wanted to talk about in this: how this film is shot serves the purpose of the story so freaking well. The lighting in this movie is fantastic. The writing in this movie is fantastic and it serves the cinematography. Now mm-hmm. you had said that you would really enjoy the way this was shot, right? Uh, I did like the way this was shot. I thought it was shot very well. Yeah. I didn't there, think that no, there were no, that's the thing though. There were no, um, as, as far as framing goes. And when I say this, I don't mean it in a bad way. I don't mean it in a, it took something away kind of way, but there aren't any like really compelling, uh, framing shots in this. Like the framing is never, um, I mean, it, there, no, there's a bunch of stuff. Like, um, when they're sitting on the bench, especially at the end, the last time when, when, um, Rebecca's like, Call me sometime that the framing there at the end, when they're switching between the over the shoulder shots, when everything is super shallow and then they cut to the framing of the bench. There's, there's a lot of subtle things like this. No, there were, it just, none of it was, I'm not saying I didn't notice that. I mean, there it wasn't like, again, I go back to a cure for wellness where you have like super compelling shots Nothing like it, it. There wasn't anything. I mean, this is twenty years shots. before that. Like, no, you gotta, I know that, but I'm again, saying there was gotta, nothing artsy about this, the shots. You got to think of well, no, uh, that. But that's not the that's not the whole thing of this movie. It's not a it's not an art house style movie. You know what I mean? The, mm-hmm. You got to remember this was 2001, and not everybody had. Like, but this is why I complain that everything looks like a YouTube video now is because everything is shot that way. Um, this is. To me, this is about as close as you can get to only serving the purpose of the story in your cinematography. It doesn't get in its own way. There's not tons of shallow shots that are just all over the thing, like modern stuff. I don't know, man. The set design is very good in this too. And that's the other thing that I really feel like the cinematography helps the set design very well too. That mixed with the costumes that are in this, it, Production it, di- design dude, it is great. Just yeah. works like yeah. it is such a well-made movie, and I don't know, man. I I feel like 
I feel like I saw this at right at the right point in my life, but I don't know if I would feel the same way about it if I had just watched it today for the first time. Right. Like right. that's well, that's and that's that's the thing is that's why I think it, it it's as far again I go back to the characters. I I really feel the way the characters uh, resonated with you and I is very different because um, I spent a great deal of this time thing. Like, I felt bad for Steve Buscemi. Um, just because of his character, um, Enid's character again. I spent a great deal of time going, dude. Just get over yourself. Just get over yourself. And, and having that kind of like, no, the world's not fair. That's kind of just how it works. But again, it's because I'm watching it for the first time as a 34 year old. Right. It's the same. It's the same thing as if I were to watch SLC Punk right now versus watching SLC Punk as right. a kid yeah. and not being able to really relate to I can't relate I couldn't relate to Enid's struggle I guess well I couldn't relate to it but only in the sense of going through that when I was younger because again we both right. went through had very similar well that's why I'm con- that's why I'm confused why you hated her so much because, because I would she hate starts 16 year old me today well that's yeah why. but you you I think with this film in particular, you kind of have to look at it through that lens of being 18. You can't look at it through. I am a 30 something year old man that went through this 15 years ago. You have to look at it through the lens of being 18. They start the movie as these, these alternative hipster people. And toward the end, Rebecca's not like that at all. She is, she's trying to grow up. She's got a job. She dresses slightly different. She's not wearing the old fifties dresses and stuff like that as much. She's dressed more like a, like a normie. And Enid is struggling to get to that point. And which is why her wardrobe doesn't change that much throughout the entire thing, except when she starts to find some self-realization toward the end. So I think I think that's really what this is about. You have to look at it as at the beginning, they're really crappy, awful, regular, like, like hipster teenagers. And toward the end is them coming to the realization that, and this is something that we have both gone through. It's this, the, the view of what you wanted the world to be is very different than what the world is. And, and when you try as hard as you can to be around the freaks and the weirdos and and the hipsters and everything else, you start to realize that everyone around you that you're surrounding yourself with are kind of losers. And, and it's becoming the coming of age. Part of this movie is really about her slowly starting to realize that and realizing she can't do that where she is, which is why she leaves. I think the ending makes this film. I don't know how you felt about it, but I think the movie makes this movie a powerful statement. I I like the I, I liked the ending. I did like the ending. I feel like there were more impactful parts in the middle, though. Um, I, How so? I I feel like uh, more just the, the the ending felt very like I don't know. Not lackluster is in the right word because it's a good ending. It's actually a very. I even said that out loud to Brittany whenever it was over. I was like, that was a very good ending, but it almost felt like. Well, yeah, that's the only other option. Like, it didn't feel... I I, I don't know. I, I felt well, okay, like maybe so, I saw it coming as far as her... Not that there's supposed to be a twist ending or anything like that. It just felt very... Um, the ending felt predictable. Again, not in a bad way, just in a matter-of-fact way. Just I feel like I saw it coming because it feels like... Maybe well, she because, says it. Like, halfway through the movie, she says what she's going to do. Right. She, she tells so, Steve Buscemi that, like, hey... 
I've always wanted to just get on a yeah. yeah. I've just and yeah, not no, tell and anyone. I remember that as I'm watching. I just I feel like there were more memorable parts of the movie than the so, ending. There, obviously, this is up to interpretation, but there are theories that the ending is her killing herself. And that the old man on the bench is her sort of coming to grips with the fact that she doesn't want to be alive anymore. Maybe that's her leaving and then getting adopted and then killing herself in the virgin suicides. Maybe that's <laughs> well, but, what it is. But Can that's we tie my these point, in together? Though, is it is up to it's it's up to interpretation. I don't. Well, that's personally... why it's good. That's how you know it's good, though. Right. If you but... have a movie, if you have a movie that you can watch and you can have two very conflicting receptions of the movie, that's a good movie. Yeah, I agree. The but this is why a lot of people say she's draped in red because the moment she starts to become suicidal and starts to realize that this is something that she wants to do, most of her wardrobe is red from there on after. So I did I did think for a second what if Norman wasn't really there, but then I also remember Scarlett Johansson's character sees him a lot and uh, so Seymour you said no. Norman Norman, the guy sitting on the bench, the guy, the, the, the oh, uh, oh, that's the old name. man okay. sitting on the yeah, bench. Yeah. yeah, no, they um, do both. Yeah, they do both. Uh, actually, and so that's it. So I, I was like, okay, maybe she just like broke and lost her mind and went all Tyler Durden on us or right. something. Well, and that's again, I'm not sure I subscribe to this theory, but that is the theory is that the old man, the old man ended up killing himself right there in traffic or whatever, and it's sort of the bus that hasn't been around for two years, sort of signifies suicide. So I'm not sure. I could see that simply because the bus is very out of place. I'm not sure. The bus sure. is very clearly old. Yes, it definitely is. And again, they say at the beginning of the movie that it has not run for well over two years. Yeah. And so there is no bus. I don't think there's a question about there being a bus or not. There is no actual real bus. I think the bus signifies moving on, whether that be suicide or, or not. I, personally don't think that it represents suicide. I actually, I, was, I actually think that it just is her becoming self-actualized enough to realize all of the horseshit that she's been doing throughout this whole movie. Yeah. And it's uh, her moving on from said horseshit. Well, well here, here, here's the thing. The suicide idea, uh, the validity of it's kind of predicated on whether or not the bus is actually there. And if the bus isn't actually there, the suicide and the, the 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 bus not being there in the red totally makes the suicide theory make way more sense. Yeah, it does. Um, and I just again, I think it's up to interpretation, which is and there's why no it other, works. There's no other cars on the bridge. You'll notice that yes. when, when she gets picked up on mm-hmm. the bus, there's cars going by, but when she leaves, there's no yeah. more cars. Yep. So that actually I've, makes a lot of sense. I've thought about this for a really long time and I think there is validity to it. I just don't think that that character, that that's, that would be her response. I, I don't think that she is enough of, because there's not for me, again, this is through my lens. There's not enough that has happened to her in order to drive her to suicide. In my opinion. See, And my, the flip side of that for me would be that I don't. And, and again, this is completely opinion. I'm not saying this is fact. She's a really weak character in my opinion. And I don't mean like her character is, is, is acted weakly. I mean, like as a character, her, right. um, her metal is very weak. It's very mm-hmm. lacking. But I, but um, I think the so, point of that, the point of that is though, in order to become this person, she's got to toughen up. 
that's, well, that's why I'm saying I don't think she's strong enough, and that's why I think the suicide thing would make sense because every time she's every time she's confronted with this life altering change that she doesn't mm-hmm. want to happen it's almost like she breaks and she doesn't know how to deal with it properly mm-hmm. dyeing her hair dyeing her hair is a great example when she goes into that store and everybody starts go- basically ripping her apart mm-hmm. she's having this identity crisis and she doesn't know how to deal with it so instead of reacting in a confident way she immediately s- results to insults which well, is a very also, weak reaction the thing i like about that so much is she immediately dyes it back immediately right. that's what i'm saying though, she is, is so the, driven the she's so driven by everyone else's opinions of her that she immediately comes back to what she looked like before well again in the context of the suicide theory in that context it makes sense to me because mm-hmm. she's basically at the end she's now lost everything she's either lost or pushed everything away the only sustaining source in her life is her dad and it's very clear that she doesn't want that to happen she's basically put up a very big wall there so in the context of her being weak in in character and then having all of that just break down that in combination with how it ends is why I think it makes sense. Why the suicide theory makes sense because of the way that it ends in combination with how poorly she deals with these changes throughout the movie. I don't know what's going on with my camera. No, I, I agree. Uh, but I, again, I think you can have all of the exact same thing without the suicide. I really do. Totally. Um, that's why I, I haven't said that's I think how it it's ends. That's more, why I keep referring to it as right. a theory. I think it's more about sure. her accepting all of these things and dealing with it and leaving because she doesn't want to deal with the people around her. I think that's that's yeah, really no, more that what it is. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. It, I'm just it saying, is definitely her running away from her problems. That's definitely sure. that's definitely what it is. But at the same time, I feel like she feels the only way that she can move on is in order to get away from where she was at. And right. so I don't know. I, th- I honestly, I can see the suicide thing. I think it actually makes a lot of sense. It, um, so that's what I'm saying is it makes a yeah, lot. Of no, sense. it does. It, it totally makes a lot of sense, but I don't, Ooh, excuse me, but I don't think that's what it is. And again, that's just my interpretation of it. But overall, what did you think? Did you like, did you end up liking this I movie? I did. I, 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 I liked it for the things that I liked and I even liked it for the things that I hated. Um, and again, that and that's how I knew it was good was because as I'm going through this movie, I'm having this conflicting. There's a 34 year old in me going, suck it up, buttercup. This is life. Life sucks. And we all deal with it. And then there's the other part of me remembering going through all of right. that. And so inside I'm having this inner conflict. And at a certain point, it all blossomed into this realization that this is what a movie's supposed to that's do. What it, well, that's what it well, And that's what it's. The movie is supposed to be doing is making mm-hmm. you not only recognizing these recognize these things, but be able to watch it as an adult, remember it what it was like as a kid. But I also don't think that that works unless you have the connection to that main 100%. character in one so, way or another. So here's the thing: is I watch this movie way different now than I watched it when I first saw it. Because now I have the life experience. And again, this is why I don't think the suicide thing is why how it ends. Because mm-hmm. you don't get to a suck it up unless you go through the things that she's going through. And this right. is something that literally everyone, especially people like people in the hardcore scene, punks, 
all of that. She is dealing with all of that stuff and realizing that this whole scene is not something that is sustainable for success and everything else. Exactly. And And that's the thing. You don't get to jaded 30 year old unless you've gone through this self-actualization that she is going through in this movie. Right. And let's be honest. We all get to jaded 30 year old. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Not, not, not all of us. Most of us get to jaded 30 year old and it's mostly people like this people that actually grew up with some uh, obstacles and I'm not trying to ostracize anybody. I'm just saying that for the most part in general, there are exceptions, but in general people that do kind of hang out on the fringes while they're growing up, eventually go. I'm not sure what that was. Eventually go through this process that brings you to the same point. Everybody's at just in a different way. Yeah. And a big part of becoming an adult is realizing the reason everyone seems lame from when you were a teenager is because you looked through the lens of being a teenager. And the right. only re- the only real way to get over that is to become an adult. And that, in my opinion, is what this movie is about. It's- yeah, and I think that's why it's important for adults to watch it. Because it's if, if you watch this and you actually watch it and you take anything away from it, at the very least, you have to at least take away from this that growing up sucks. It well, just sucks. Yeah. It's fun, but there is a three to four year period where it just sucks for a while. Yeah. Well, and I, you and I have had this conversation multiple times. When I, when I became disenchanted with the whole punk thing and, and hardcore thing and all of that stuff was when I realized that everybody that I was looking up to was as shallow as all the people that they claimed to hate. Right. And, and that I think is why this movie resonates with me so much because a lot of the unspoken stuff that she is going through as far as the, the whole punk thing and all of that stuff, it's a very unsaid part of this movie of her becoming an adult through growing up that way, which is right. why I see a lot of myself in her in this film because in my, that's just, again, it's just part of becoming an adult and, mm-hmm. And so that's that's why I love this movie as much as I do way more than I did when I was a kid. I liked this when I was 15 for way different reasons than I like it now, especially yeah. as a film. This is a very well-directed movie. It's well shot. The writing is impeccable. It's, dude, it's, it's really The acting, well other than Scarlett Johansson being very new to this whole thing, the acting is like great. I don't care for it too much either, to be honest. I've seen honest. her in some stuff that I really did like her in, but for the most part... I don't, I'm not, I'm also not her target demo. Like, right. That's I, you true. know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not her target demo. So, but I, I don't know, man. I think this is a very well-made movie. I think it has a lot to say without saying a whole lot. And yeah, I, for I sure. don't know. I identify with this movie a lot, a lot. I, I had to keep, I had to keep reminding myself that, um, this is one of the movies that a lot of indie stereotypes are based on. Um, IE the shirtless guy in the gas station. When I saw that, I was yeah. like, that is such a, ooh, the quirky guy at the gas station. And then yeah. I had to go, 2001 indie film, 2001, 2001 indie yes. film, 2001 indie film. Yeah. And, but that's the thing is, I also am not generally a fan of coming of age movies simply because I am no longer the target demo for right. those movies. Um, I think I gen- a lot of it depends on when you watched it. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, coming of age movies to me are I can't relate to those problems anymore. But when right. you, I mean, that's just that's just a, a hard fact. Is I just I can't relate to those problems anymore because now I have things like electric bills and full coverage insurance and right. rentals renters insurance. So I can't relate to a lot of that anymore. But you watch these movies. That's why I had to force myself to really watch this from a certain mindset. But I really think in order to do that, you have to appreciate, this sounds so pretentious, but you have to appreciate film as an art form in, in yeah. order to be able to kind of project yourself into that mindset of, okay, this is who this is going for, pay attention to the thing, and be able to pick out the things that it's aiming those things at and then evaluate them from there. Yeah, I completely agree. The 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 language the film language in this movie is mind bending it's awesome for sure. it's for sure again it's just a well made movie and right Terry Zweigoff who is the I think that's how I say Zweigoff 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 um, I think so um, hell of a director this movie this movie is directed he directed the crap out of this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he really, yeah, really he did. did. He did. So there's not I mean there's not a bad shot in it. There's not no. I mean there's there's not every scene is just so well done. And again, um, if you go back and rewatch it, which I don't think you will, but if you if you ever go back and rewatch it, you will see all of the foreshadowing and all of the little hints and everything and right. and how you can you can literally pinpoint some moments where she becomes sort of disenchanted with Rebecca and realizing that they're headed in two different directions those and, those stood out to me actually as they were kind of playing out anyway right. um, a lot but again i think a lot of that is because this movie moves and again this is not a knock on the movie it's just how i saw it it moves in a very predictable way but only only because that's how a coming of age movie has to move. Again, it has yeah. to start one way. The character goes through a life altering yeah. change and then it has to end with them being different. That's just how that has to work. So that that's, I didn't look yeah. at that in a bad way, but it, it um, but yeah, it, it's definitely one of those ones where you can see it moving in a predictable way, but it's still can, it's how it conveys that process. Yeah. Well, and again, I think you need to look at it through the lens of 2001 and before Garden State and before, you know what I mean? Like all of the, all of those movies, like, but again, this is, it's the same reason I love this movie. The same reason I love Sideways is because Sideways is different because it's a middle-aged guy going through kind of the same thing after a divorce and, and failing to become a writer and stuff like I'm that. I'm not drinking any in Merlot. Yeah, that's my favorite line in all of film history, by the way. Um, it's just a simple thing to get so yeah, angry at. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think there are a lot of parallels to that movie as far as the coming of age thing sideways is doing it in a middle age sort of a way in, yeah. in realizing how, how much of your life you've thrown away versus this is really more about realizing how big of a douche you can be in your teenage years and moving into adulthood before you become the jaded, angry 40 year old. So I, I don't know. I think there's. I think you're right. That is sort of predictable as far as the coming of age thing goes. 
Um, this has to be though. I mean, but again, that's the thing. tropes watched- are made tropes because of movies like this. Like, well, and it's not even like it, it, it's not even in the sense of like it moves predictably in, in a tropey way. It just that's how that genre story has mm-hmm. to move. Yeah, it, it just it has to move that way. Yep. It, it's it's just like if you go and watch a Final Girl horror movie, it has to end in a yeah. certain way. And the second you recognize the main character, you know who the final girl is. Is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't ruin the process. Right. The process might ruin the process, it's, but it doesn't ruin yeah. the process. Well, and this goes back around to knowing a lot about film and, and film language and stuff like that. You end up watching these movies a little bit different than the regular person does. So right. there's also that whole side of it too. But but again, tropes are tropes because they've been put in so many movies beforehand and you wouldn't write a movie like this now. There's especially, there's a lot of um, racial stuff in this movie that you would never get away with now. Um, there are, there's time, a lot of I mean, throwaway you're... lines in that movie that would not be okay now in this film. Which you can feel how you want about that. But yeah, I mean, that's that's its own thing. The politics of that are, are separate. But there's, there's a lot of stuff you couldn't get away with now in this film. Right. But... I don't know, man. I I really think that this is a fantastic, fantastic film. I I know ratings on everything. Yeah, I don't know how you would rate this. I would again put this as a nine out of ten. I think I think it's well made. The writing is exceptional. The acting is phenomenal. The lighting is good. The cinematography is great. I would say nine out of ten actually sounds pretty right. Yeah, uh, that's surprising. I I would have thought you would have gone lower than that. No, I mean, again, because my biggest issue with this was I hated her character for the character that it is. Because I yeah. hate that. It, it's just that it, it's, and I know this sounds so like whatever, but it's, it, it, it's that whininess drove me insane. That pretentiousness, that nihilistic. Pre- <laughs> I, no, 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 it's not even, it, again, it's, it's not even that because that's an attitude that a lot of people still hold on to. It's that nihilistic pretentiousness that that character has that just drove me insane. And again, it, I she has to have that in order to be I able understand to grow, that. I know? understand so. that. I'm not saying her character can't be that way. I'm saying that's why I hated her character. Right. And it's, it's just, Again, I can sum it up with get over yourself is how I felt about this character. Uh, so, okay. So you would rate this as a nine out of 10 too? I think so. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, that's one of my favorite movies. This is the, this is more the maybe the type of movie that we're going to do more of in the future. If we, when we move away from horror sort of artsy stuff that has stuff to say, that's, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, and I thoroughly enjoy movies like this. I wasn't checking my phone throughout it. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah, Whereas and I find for, myself with a lot of horror movies going like, yeah, oh, oh, a throat. Okay. Especially for an almost two-hour movie, it is not a hard watch. The whole no. movie engages you throughout the whole thing. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Well, this was fun. We're, we're uh, almost an hour 20 here, so I think we'll go ahead and call it there for today. Um, if you like this and you got all the way to the end of this, thank you so much. Hit the like button and or the subscribe button if you really liked it, as we've got a lot more content like this coming in the future. Also, I don't have a thing for subscribe. I just need to do <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. If, if you have subscribe. not checked out Brett's channel here, I will link that down in the description below, as well as the card at the end of this video here. Uh, he also does movie review stuff. He tends to um, be Scream. a little bit more technical on his stuff rather than character driven, kind of the way I do stuff. Um, so his stuff's really good too. So if you're not I'm following trying him, to do more go, of that. 
yeah. I'm trying to do more of that. I'm just, I'm such a, I'm such an a-hole and I can't help it. Well, I, uh, I think the best way to say that is you don't watch movies with as much empathy as I do. I think no. that's, that's now, the best I, that way to put it. That might explain why her character bothered me so right. much yeah. because it's like, it's like, I know what your character is. I don't. <laughs> Well, yeah, Feel it's also because, yeah, we also, we also grew up being pretentious hipsters. And so it's, it's easy to hate on that because we know how, how BS and garbage. I wasn't a hipster. I really so. did have the best music collection. Exactly. Arcade fire for life. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, thank you guys for watching this and we will see you next time on from the deep. Ta-ta. Bye-bye.